Hi, I'm Jean Godfrey June, and this is Megan O'Neill. We're the beauty editors at Goop. And you're listening to Goop's podcast series, The Beauty Closet, where we talk about all things beauty, clean, non-toxic beauty, skincare, hair care, body care, self-care, and the way we think about beauty both as individuals and in the wider culture. And our guest today has the best energy and the best outlook. Koya Webb is a yoga teacher, meditation expert, life coach, motivational speaker, nutritionist, vegan activist, and author of the book, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce, How to Turn Common Obstacles into Seeds for Growth. She's amazing. She's also the founder of Get Loved Up Yoga Teacher Training and Retreats and the host of the podcast, Get Loved Up with Koya Webb, where she talks to guests about everything from how to reverse chronic disease with plant-based diets to healing from abuse and managing anxiety. She's one of those people who juggles an unimaginable number of incredible projects, yet always appears so calm and peaceful. Yeah, it's amazing. I want all her secrets for a peaceful mind and a strong body. She's the most fit person I've ever seen. It's so impressive. True. (laughs) Remember when Koya came to the Goop New York office and she led us in that amazing midday meditation? Mm -hmm. I remember it was the most stressful day for me. I had a million meetings and things do. And I was going to skip it, like ditch it, like Mm -hmm. hide somewhere. (laughs) But somehow I got roped in and I went. And it made such a difference. Like I was like, oh, a meditation, like what's that going to do? But it actually did do something. It totally just paused the day for a minute in a, in a really meaningful way. So I, I've always just been so into Koya. And I also do her aloe yoga classes on the aloe yoga app. And mm-hmm. it's just like, it's sweaty and amazing. And again, her body, she's so fit. It just makes you want to work out. <laughs> Oh my God, I have to try. Yeah. I miss going to in real life yoga class so much. Oh, the energy of the room, the people. I do yoga at home. I follow along with like a Zoom class, but it is different. And my yeah. also my forever yoga studio, Jiva Mukti, is sort of splintered away. And so finding the one place you can just go to, that's gotten harder too. I sort of have this patchwork of places. There's this one called Sukh of Rima that's really great. Amazing energy, even on Zoom, but I'm going to try the the Koya on aloe. I miss in-person yoga so much too. I remember being in class and the teacher would always be like, you should be so grateful to be here. Like it's such a privilege to be here. And like it really was. Like not mm-hmm. just now that there's like a, a raging pandemic, but just to be able to get yourself there and to, you know, have the money to go to a yoga class and the time. Like it really is something special. Yeah, and what it what it does for your life. You just don't know even what it's going to do until you do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love this conversation with Koya about food, yoga, movement, trauma, culture, as she puts it, as well as race, how she shifted her body insecurities as a model, and this whole career helping other people build their confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people who help other people spiritually are just a, a different breed. Like, it would deplete me if that were my job. I don't get how you deal with like a bad mood in front of a room of people, virtual or otherwise. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. (laughs) I need my rotten mood days. But thank goodness for people like Koya. Let's hear her. Koya, hello. Thank you so much for, for coming on to chat. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am well. I am really just in gratitude for life right now. Yeah, feels good. 
the last time we saw you was when you came to the New York office and led us through that really cool meditation. Oh, it's been a while. It was amazing. Yes, it was amazing. Let's start by you telling us a little about your journey and how you became a life coach, motivational speaker, yoga teacher, nutritionist. How did it all happen? Mm, such a multi-layered question. I, I really <laughs> would say to simplify it, it would be, I just followed my heart. I followed my soul. What I continue to do and what I've always done is just check in with myself and go into meditation, go into medicine and silence and just listen to what has the highest resonance for me. And I have been doing that since I was a little girl. And I didn't know, I didn't know anything about meditation. I'm a Southern girl. I'm from the South. I'm from Tennessee. Mm. So being raised as a Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about meditation. I didn't know anything about yoga. I knew the Ten Commandments, treat everyone like you want to be treated, don't steal. Yeah. A good life. But it was really just not being afraid to follow my soul. And that's what really led me to the life that I'm living today. Amazing. I know you had a, a phase as a model and you struggled with depression and body image, not toned enough, not thin enough, boobs not big enough. We all know loving yourself is so much easier said than done. How did you shift your perspective about yourself? I will speak for myself as a woman. I think because we have the magazines, because we have social media, it's easy to look at someone outside yourself and feel like, oh, well, maybe I should be more this or more that or more different than I am. (laughs) For me, it was really realizing that it's those little things like the mole on the side of my nose, the size of my big toe, (laughs) like (laughs) that are kind of quirky or different. They make me unique and beautiful. And when I was younger, I just wanted to change it. It's like, okay, I want to put makeup over that moment. Can I get my fat toes slimmer? How can I get my boobs <laughs> bigger without getting a boob job? Because I don't want to do that. But it's like I was always looking for a fix that just kind of wasn't too drastic. And I remember, and still, I will not download. It was so funny. This app reached out to me. It was like, oh, this editing app that can remove blemishes. And, and I've <laughs> Really not gotten into those apps. And my friend's like, oh, I just use it to remove outlets on the wall. I'm like, sure. No. I <laughs> outlets. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I'll be removing all kinds of stuff. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't need that. So I think it's just a constant reminding myself that I'm beautiful and that I'm unique and that I don't need to look like anyone else. But I think growing up in the South, especially, it was like, oh, well, you need to straighten your hair to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And in the South, it was like, you need to be a little bit thicker to be accepted. Now I'm in Kelly, you need to be a little bit thinner to be accepted. <laughs> and it's not like I'm just making these things up. I mix enough up on my own, but also when society validates those insecurities, like, yeah, you do yeah. need to be different right. to be to be loved, to be a model, to be an actor, to to do anything that I love to do, then it really beats up (laughs) on self-worth and how you value yourself. So for me, it was really about looking in the mirror, looking at myself in the eyes and saying, I love you. I love you. I do this practice that my friend Deanna taught me. I look in the mirror and I start from my head and I go all the way down my body from the top of my head, my hair, my face, 
my eyes, my nose, my lips, my chin, all the way down the body. I love you. I love you. My neck, my shoulders. Mm. Like anytime I feel insecure about any body part, I just look at it and I love it. And I love my stretch marks and I love the size of my legs. I love that I'm getting older and that mm. little space on top of my knee is starting to fall over my knee. And I feel like that is the key, just looking at ourselves like we're unique and then loving it. But it took me a while and I still will look at some things and like, oh, I need to go run. And I still have those insecurities, to be honest. And it's a constant reminder to myself that that's okay. And that's normal. If you want to do something differently to strengthen, you can, but I want you to go to the mirror right now and say, you love your booty just the way it is. And so I, I constantly have to remind myself that I'm love and I am not. My worth isn't dependent on how my body looks or how my face looks. And that was that's a practice. Okay. So I, I love that. That sort of body scan you do saying you love each part. You obviously, you lead a lot of workshops and retreats. Is that the advice you give people now for self-acceptance and loving how they look? Another tool is just not comparing themselves to magazines or what they see and, and mm-hmm. saying like, look, these things are Photoshop. Some of them are real. Most of them are not, right? Mm-hmm. I will give credit. Some of them are. And so I'm a model. I know that my photos and I try to n- make sure my photos are not altered as much as possible, but still there's lighting, there's twists, there's the way you move right. your hips or that to look tighter and together. You have to understand that this is an image. And so I tell people to limit the social use, especially after watching Social Dilemma and realize that what we're seeing has been lit a certain way, edited a certain way, because I really do think it can play on, well, she looks like that and she looks like that. And and it's just not real. I remember I was with a friend who was an editor and all he did was edit celebrities' photos so that they look absolutely perfect. And it's literally perfecting the per- already mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, and that's something to keep in mind. It's easy to forget. So I just remind being in the industry myself, being on different covers that most of those things have been altered. Don't get caught up in it. And then yes, do the body love tool. And also I like journaling. So I also mm-hmm. write a lot. And anytime I find myself beating up on myself, because I also think in addition to the body shaming, it's also self-worth. And sometimes, mm-hmm. especially being a woman of color, I get picked last or don't get invited to parties or just get looked over. And it can it can also beat up on the sense of self. And so I have to write like, I am love and I, I am worthy and just remind myself of the things that I'm grateful for. So I have this gratitude list. I'm grateful that I got my degree. I'm grateful that I started my own company and all the things that I've done, because sometimes as you know, ambitious person, I just do it and it's on to the next thing. And sometimes not getting accepted still, it makes you feel like you're not enough. Like no matter what you do, you are still not valued, loved, and accepted. And so one of the things that I do, one, is just share my story like that. I feel that way and that Mm. that's a normal feeling to have as a human being. And when you find that come up, it's just a sign that you need a little bit more nurturing. Maybe you've heard too many times that you need to change something. Maybe your partner is telling you, your friend is telling you, you need to get date someone. You need to get a boyfriend. So it's like you need to do something that society puts on you, like get married, have a baby, change all these things, right? Other than just breathe, which is, if anyone's listening, that's your <laughs> responsibility. That's the only thing you really just have to do. 
<laughs> Unless you want to transition and that's fine too. But you just have to breathe. Yeah, breathe. Yeah. yeah, just breathe. That's it. So I just remind myself when things get too overwhelming and there's quite a bit of demands on my life, especially when it comes from family and friends and maybe even a partner, I just remind myself, your only job is to breathe and to be. And that is enough for right now. And then I meditate just to clear my mind. And I write down what has the highest call on my life and from my heart, from my soul, because I feel like it could get so easy to get caught up on what society says you should do next based on the, the your age or where you are in your life or what your family, your partner. But I always bring myself back to what I mentioned in the beginning is just what do I want to do? What is the highest calling on my soul? And how do I move in that direction? Do you have a particular style of meditation or do you do multiple? I incorporate multiple ones for different reasons. And I was trained in transcendental meditation by Michael Bernard Beckwith at Agape Spiritual Center. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it's a way to just focus on a mantra let everything go and I can use whatever mantra that I feel like I need that day. Like what I was speaking about before, I am worthy. I am worthy. I am worthy. And I meditate thinking I am worthy. I breathe. I am worthy into every cell of my body from my head to my toe. I love that. I also do breathwork meditations. I was trained last year as a breathwork instructor mm. and what's called the holotropic breath. Inhale, inhale, exhale, and, and variations of that. And I breathe for anywhere from five to 30 minutes. And then I sit in meditation. And that really has been helpful for clearing really deep trauma, especially mm. with some of the, the societal, just horrific crimes and things. I, I had about PTSD when my brother got jumped by the police and it was very like, it was Whoa, traumatizing for yeah. me. And I saw my brother in this video that I don't like looking at those videos, but sometimes it's being circulated so much. It's boop, there it is in front of your face and you're watching it. And it's like, ah. God. So, so I watched this video, Happy TSD, and I went to that breath work and it helped me like I've never seen. And it was quick. And I teach that now. And I have sessions with people when they're dealing with a trauma that's a little more serious, like a PTSD or anxiety. I feel like different breath works. And then I love to do tapping meditation. So EFT are emotionally releasing some of that, that trauma, emotional trauma technique. It's really removing the emotions and the feelings that really ingrain themselves in your cells. I say moving, removing the issues from your tissues. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, that is. We don't realize that when we kind of have these emotions of sadness or anger and we don't express them or write them down or dance them off, which is another one of my favorite things to do is dance. But when we don't do that, it can be stuck in our body, in our heart, when we don't process our pain. So it's really important to acknowledge and process the pain. So EFT, breath work, and transcendental meditation are probably my three top ways that I like to meditate. You are a runner poised to go to the Olympics until you were sidelined by a serious injury. How, how did yoga reshape your life? Like I mentioned before, I knew nothing about yoga. Yeah. And so when my counselor told me to go to yoga, I was like, 
it, wait, is that worshiping Buddha? I was really hesitant at first, but I got picked out of class. I was crying in classes. I just, out of the blue, I would just break down and I just was not, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life because here I was on a full scholarship thinking this is going to be my future in one day. Right. That was completely changed. And I know a lot of people experience that in different areas. Maybe it's a divorce or maybe it's a injury of another sort or, or just a huge loss in a family and your world is shaken. So with that injury, I was just like, I don't know about this yoga thing, but I really don't have a choice. So I went into the class. I'm intimidated. I'm a tight athlete. I'm like, I don't know how to do these poses. This is painful. I don't belong here. This is not me. I am not a yogi. This is not who I am. You'll feel joy and bliss. And I was not feeling joy and bliss. All I was feeling is pain and sadness. And the teacher came over to me and she said, Koya, she saw me struggling. She was like, I want you to just breathe. And she took a deep inhale with me and exhale. And I feel these chills in my body just tingling. And I remember when I felt that before, when I was a young girl being Southern Baptist, I'd ask my parents, when when should I get baptized? And they were like, you'll know. I was like, but how do I know? Is it a sign? Is it <laughs> what when is that? You'll know. And I was like, oh. but one day when the preacher was speaking, I felt these chills and I was like, oh, that must be the Holy Spirit. I'm going. And I got <laughs> baptized. So being empathic and I feel a lot. So when I felt this full body chill, I was like, okay, I'm in the right place. Something's good about this. So I stayed in the class and I struggled, but I kept breathing. And whenever it got hard, I would just stop and breathe. And after six months, my back felt a lot better. I tried to go to the track again, but it wasn't fully healed. So I had to spend an entire year. I added on swimming and also cycling, and I healed my entire body. And after a year, I came back to win the conference meet and bring my school, Wichita State, to its first women's championship. Wow. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah. I, I love what yoga can do. You're a nutritionist and a vegan. What was your journey in that aspect of your career? I started studying nutrition in college as part of my exercise science degree. And I was fascinated about how growing up in the South, you eat full meal, all the courses based on the pyramid. <laughs> and, and I really just ate for, for energy and being an athlete, being tall, I'm 5'11". It's about eating enough in order to do whatever it is you're trying to do. So I really didn't discriminate. <laughs> I, I just ate a cookie just like I ate a, a, a salad and I just ate it all. At that time, eating it and burning it off was, yeah. was my thing. And I realized through studying nutrition how powerful food is. And food is energy, second to breath, something that we, we do every single day. The type of energy you put into your body as food, not only you are with you eat and it actually makes up your tissues in your body, but it also gives you the energy that you need for that day and the next day. So once I studied these things and I realized that the quality of the food that you eat matters, the vibration of the foods you eat. So you have foods that are from nature, plant-based foods that grow in nature. And then you have foods that have been processed. And then you just got flat out fake foods, right? So, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 you have this full spectrum, right? Does anyone really realize what's really good for them? Because it's 
it's it's so multi-layered and I really feel like everyone should, should check out a nutrition class to really understand because I had no idea. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I don't want government cheese because it doesn't melt. I didn't understand. That's not even real food. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like nutrition classes are very important because it, it helps you understand, okay, what is food? What is a protein really? What is carbohydrates? What are fats? A lot of people think they don't understand fruits and vegetables are carbohydrates. They're like, no, I need my carbs. I need bread and pasta. And it's like, wait, Fruits and vegetables are carbohydrates and they give you more energy. They go through your body faster. They have antioxidants and that is a fuel that you need to have energy in your day. And it's a faster, more efficient fuel than processed bread and sugars. And then about whole grains, like eating whole grains and grains with fibers versus processed and how eating things like quinoa and chickpeas and lentils are carbohydrates that are nutrient dense and give you your carbohydrates, your proteins. It could be very confusing if you just go online or you just watch mm-hmm. all the ads just telling you, oh, you need milk does a body good and cereal yeah. every morning. And it's like, you're not even understanding the energetics of food. And so I love to teach the energetics of food. Once I learn the energetics of food, I have energy. I wake up, I drink water, I have smoothie, I have salads. I eat greens with every meal because I know they have the fiber and the chlorophyll that I need in my body. And so once I learn how to eat, people ask me, how do you go all day? How do you keep going? How do you have so much energy? And I 100% think most of it is One, I stay hydrated all day and I eat high energy foods. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a donut. I love pizza. I'm vegan, but I'm a vegan foodie. So I love all the foodie things because I just I just love to eat. I've always loved to eat. So happy I eat clean now because I know eating all that processed food, just eating anything, anywhere, however it comes up. It's not the healthiest thing for my body. Yeah. And it also affects my mind and my brain and those things. So I'm so happy that at least I went plant-based vegan because not only is it healthier for my body, but it's also healthier for the planet. Less emissions used, there's less water used when someone eats a plant-based diet versus an animal diet. And using so many animals and abusing so many animals, it's the fact that we're overproducing animals. We're overusing and we're eating way, way, way more animals than we, we ever should be because we want more, we want it bigger, we want it faster. Right. Learning that solidified beyond just my health, that solidified me. Okay. I'm not just going to have a piece of cheese here, even though I know a little bit of of meat or animal products here or there is not going to take me out. But the reason that I don't is because of the impact on our environment and people need to know that you can eat a full 100% vegan plant-based diet and be healthy and be energetic. I will put that disclaimer in there because a lot of people just cut out meat and say, oh, I'll just like eat a salad a day and I'll be fine. And that's just not true. You yeah. have to know how to get your macronutrients. You really have to know how to eat for energy. The the third thing is just abuse for animals. It's so much forcing and, uh, yeah. and growing. And it just gets kind of Frankenstein-ish, right? Animals were eating. That's not the real thing. My answer would have went out and, and, and caught and used every part of it and honored it and valued it. And it has a different energetic than something that was made in a lab process genetically modified and then pulled to the plate. And that goes for animals and plants. So people have to be very careful to 
eat as clean as possible because there's so much happening behind the scenes that we just don't see. And that's what keeps me vegan. And I've been vegan now for 15 years. That's something that touched on our next question. How can diet play a role when you're working with someone who's battling depression? How much can food really impact mood? Food definitely impacts mood because a lot of times the hormones and stuff in the food that we're eating, it creates brain fog. And a lot of times when we don't process food or if our body is busy digesting food, and a lot of Americans have poor digestion because of food combining and eating things that are one, not real foods, and then two, don't go together. There's not enough spaciousness. They're just kind of piling all on. And I admit I've done that too. And I've messed up my digestion as well. I was like, whoa, why is my stomach bubbling? I have bubbly guts. What's happening here? And I had to learn like, no, you cannot eat dried food and drink a lot of water because that food has to hydrate and you have to be very conscious of your digestive enzymes in your body and and how they work with food. That's why I said everyone should take a nutrition class to really understand the body, understand the digestion so that they can eat accordingly. I also make sure that I drink my water anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours before or after my meal. But during the meal, maybe only sipping tea or sipping a drink that can help my body digest. So Mm. when it comes to depression, the cleaner you eat, the more that you have mental clarity because your body isn't using that energy to digest. And if you are having some problem in your family or relationship that's causing that depression, that's why in back in the day, and even in biblical times, there would be a lot of fasting. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily suggesting a water fast. I'm suggesting clean eating here. Mm -hmm. When normally it's like, I want the Oreos, I want the ice cream. I'm an emotional eater. I used to be, I I pretty much have it on tabs, but I allow myself sometimes. I just want a banana split right now. I am having a bad day. I'm going to treat myself (laughs) with a banana split and boom. But I will say you really have to balance it out because you you do that three days in a row and your situation, now not only are you having a bad situation for whatever caused it, but also your energy is lower and now you can see how it actually makes the depression worse. Whereas if you eat liquids, you eat greens, you keep your digestion on point and you process those emotions with the breath work that I mentioned earlier, with the meditation, with communication, with really working with a therapist if you need to, you're going to heal a lot faster. And I know because I've had depression and for me, when I had an eating disorder, I was in a very toxic relationship where I was lied to and just manipulated so much that I, I was just like, I, I have completely lost control. This person was living a whole separate life and, and came to me like they were single and they were actually married with children and, and oh, no God. ring, oh. no, no, no way I can know and hit it very well. And then when I found out, I was devastated because I was fully in love with this person and I had oh. I was ready to like live life with this person. Yeah. And so it came wow. to a point where I lost myself. And and I told him I started having bulimia. So I was like, I'm a foodie anyway, so I'm eating all this food. And I'm like, oh, well, I just get rid of it. And I didn't know why I was doing this. It didn't make any sense. I knew better at the time. I've been to the nutrition class. But see, it's not always scientific. Sometimes we have these and eating because it's emotional. And at that time, what I learned after going through some sessions, some counseling is that I had lost control of myself and my life because I had fallen in love with this person that lied to me. And so instead of beating myself up for having the eating disorder, I was like, okay, Koya, this is not good for your stomach. 
It's not good for your destiny. So I had to say, how can I take control of my life? And for that instance, I had to get out of that toxic relationship. You really have to understand why a person is depressed in the first place. And if you're a very sensitive person like myself, slipping into depression is very easy when the life is out of balance. You're sensitive, like I'm sensitive to everything, right? So it's easy to slip into a place where I am feeling like, okay, if I say yes to way too many things I don't want to do and I'm not living in alignment with my purpose, I'll be in depression mm-hmm. because my body will not tolerate. And honestly, most of us do. That's why most of us have anxiety. We're dealing with all these things because we're living out of alignment with our soul's calling. And all we got to do is get back on it. I love that. (laughs) Speaking of eating disorders, the word cleanse can certainly be used as a code for starvation diet. As a practitioner, how do you draw that line between healthy weight loss and disordered eating? Well, I tell people it's not even about weight loss. It's about weight balance, right? Because some of us want to gain weight. Some of us want to lose weight. And Having yourself at the weight that you want, not society, not your mate, not anyone else, but where do you want your body to be for you to feel your best? For some people that might be bigger, some people that might be smaller, for some people that might be stronger, for some people that might be, I just want to go for a walk and just be. Now, for whatever it is, I feel like people need to go within again and ask themselves, how do I feel my best? Mm-hmm. And make a plan to achieve that. So whether it be Pilates every day or yoga every day or weight training every day or dancing every day, but that's based uniquely on your goal. You shouldn't feel like you have to go outside of yourself and do something you really dread and you're beating yourself up. And you're like, well, I'm just doing this because there's so many modalities, especially online. You have access to all of it online now, thanks to the pandemic, (laughs) right? True. Whatever you want, find out what brings you joy. And this is really important too. The more that you find that modality of getting your heart rate up and moving your body, maybe even breaking a sweat. And some people don't like to sweat and there are things you can do where it's not as much as that, but you're still like working out and you're still getting your heart rate up. Then that's something that you're going to consistently do. And I really feel like when people find what they they really love, what they really want to do, they're going to be consistent in it and they're going to achieve that weight balance that they want over time. And if you don't really are are familiar with like how to maneuver your weight and how to gain or lose as you need to, is it really important to get a trainer, hire a professional and not just someone Mm -hmm. that's going to shame you and tell you, you look to the, you really need to find someone who you look great as you are, but I'm going to help you hit that goal that you want. It can help you get off the scale, not just look at those numbers and beat yourself up because the numbers, it can help you realize, okay, what energy in and energy out, what energy am I consuming? And how am I expending energy to maintain the weight balance that I desire? Okay. What specific foods do you recommend for for healthy weight loss or healthy weight balance? Highly, highly, highly suggest five fruits and vegetables every single day. And I know for a lot of people there, that's five, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like it. But five each or not? Five fruits. But let me tell you how easy that is to get. Every morning I have a smoothie with one to two bananas, and I have two or three different type of berries, blueberries, raspberries, strawberries. Sometimes I might have mango, sometimes papaya. Right Yum. there, 
And yeah. one morning smoothie, boom, that's your five right there. Maybe you don't like bananas. Your base can be mango. Put a couple berries in it. And maybe you're like, I'm just not a smoothie person. You can have a acai bowl or you can have a, a bowl or you can, you know, have your pancakes and put your fruit on top. <laughs> put no, your berries yeah. on top. Just or get them in, yeah. Exactly. Just get them in. And then for lunch, having a salad, whatever else you eat, that's, that's you. But having a salad with different types of greens. I talk to my clients about rotating your greens. There's arugula, there's watercress, and every different type of green gives you different types of nutrients. That's why the nutrition is important. So you get omegas from the lighter greens. People think, well, 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 kale has the most protein. Yes, but there's other things like hydration and omegas that you can get from some of the other greens. So rotating the greens, and even in my smoothie in the morning, I toss some greens in there. I might toss in some parsley or some thyme, especially if you're working with low iron, throwing some parsley some time in the mornings for these doing some spinach in there. Greens with every meal is one of my philosophies. So greens in the smoothie. And then this salad, I have a big salad for lunch. You can have some more vegetables. You can have your broccoli. You can have your kale. You can have your asparagus. Dinner is usually when I have like the broccoli and the asparagus, like the greener mm-hmm. greens. And I have like maybe some quinoa or some lentils, a complex carbohydrate. So basically that's my day is smoothie or smoothie bowl or fruit bowl in the morning. Maybe I'll have some chia seed or every now and then some gluten-free oatmeal. And on the weekends, I love pancakes. I love French toast. <laughs> and I love making but- vegan buttermilk biscuits. I do like once or twice a week give myself that because that is part of my foodiness and I embrace that. I love being able to have that and I have my cider fruit with that. Maybe I'll have a smoothie with that or a refreshing drink or juice. And then for, for lunch, I make sure I have a salad, whether that's with something else or not. And then at in the evening, I have what's called a beauty bowl which has like two or three vegetables in it with complex carbohydrates, like sweet potato and the quinoa and the lentils and things like that. Yum. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, you are talking to two people who like could not love to eat more. So oh my God. I'm taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> this is Shifting Gears. Your book, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce, How to Turn Common Obstacles into Seeds for Growth, explores how our fears of failure of something we say not being well-received, of the unknown, how those fears hold us back. And fear is still driving so many of us in this country. How do we best address fear in ourselves and in others? I just figured this out in writing the book, is that fear is feedback. Fear Mm. is feedback to places within ourselves and within others that needs more nurturing, needs more love, needs more awareness. If we look into ourselves, like when we have anxiety, when we are doubting ourselves, that part of us just needs to be nurtured. It needs to be looked at. It needs to be loved. It needs to be written about. It needs that I love you mirror practice, right? Mm -hmm. When we look into others and you see others that that are struggling and others that are, are having, whether it be anxiety or depression or eating disorder or something like that, there's something that they need. So just asking them, how can I support you? How can I be there for you? And knowing that that's not a bad person. They're having, it's just feedback that something's hurt. Something's wrong. We got it. It's just feedback. All the things in the world that need some nurturing. When you look at it like that, you don't try to run from fear. You don't try to fight it. You lean into it and you say, how can I love myself more? How can I love others more? How can I love the world more? And then it becomes a practice, not feeling like it has to be perfect or it has to be done in a day. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do something today 
to love myself more. I'm going to do something today to love others, a friend, a family member, my community online, whatever it is. I'm going to do something today to love humanity more. Maybe I'm going to recycle. Maybe I'm going to donate to a cause. Maybe I'm going to go protest or sign a petition, whatever it is. And I truly believe in practice. And I not only my yoga practice and my breathwork practice, but also practicing with leaning into love, practicing with addressing the different fears that come up in our life. The more that we consistently practice, and I know I learned this through yoga, the more you consistently practice, the better you are, period. And so I would say, lean into the fear, see the fear as feedback, and see how you can love yourself more, how you can love others more, how you can love the world more. And that's how I came up with my company, Get Loved Up. That is our slogan. Love yourself, love others, love the world in that order one breath at a time, one day at a time. Oh, that's amazing. So good. <laughs> Were there fears or challenges you faced specifically as a Black woman in the world of wellness, which is notoriously very white? Because the real world, racism looks a lot of ways. It can be getting denied a bank loan because you're Black or getting accepted to college. One would hope, though, the wellness world is full of these more evolved spiritual people. <laughs> But, I mean, racism is everywhere. Were there specific challenges you faced as a Black woman in wellness? And that one word really brought up why it's so triggering for me, because one would hope. One would hope in the spiritual community. (laughs) One would hope in the wellness community. And you think. One would hope and think, yeah. One would hope and think and and wish. But, no, it's just the society we're in is just coded and we were raised and we're brought up in this consciousness of white supremacy. Even myself as a black woman have to check myself Hmm. when I treat someone differently because of the color of their skin. And unless people can get really honest with themselves about the, the things that lie within them and how they treat people different based on how they look, what they wear. And if everyone can look at their own unconscious bias, then there can be personal growth. Then there can be growth as a community and society. If we're saying, oh, that's not me. You know what? It's so mm, true. We I all have it. Thing. We all have it. And so being honest with it and just saying, okay, I have it. I've done this. How can I be more mindful? How can I look and see how I can include this woman more. How can I, and and that's the biggest thing. Like, I feel like for me in the industry, no matter how many books I've written, no matter how many classes I've taught, like I always have this feeling of not being enough. I remember when I first started my modeling career and Mm. the photographer loved me, the company loved me. I won't call them out, but they love, they just love me as a person. And I was happy with that. But one day I asked because they were putting all these other people on the cover and they would use me inside the magazine, mm-hmm. but not on the cover. So one day I got bold and I was like, hey, what about the cover? And they're like, yeah, quiet. We tried to put a black person on the cover before. People just don't pick up the magazine. And oh, it man. my heart. Yeah, what do you even say to that? I was like, what can you even say to that? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. What, what, well, okay, wait. It's a self-fulfilling no. prophecy too. In, in magazines, they would they would put people of color on the magazine okay, cover in the months they knew would do badly. You know, and that, that yeah. part, and, and it's so interesting because we teach people again. This is the society we are right now. I mean, if you're able to admit, okay, we are 
glorifying one skin color, whether it be another, because I like to talk in culture versus race, because I feel like it's a very toxic way to speak because we have so many cultures within the color of our skin. Right. But I feel that when you talk about culture more, the more you bring culture and different ethnicities onto your magazines, the more people learn about different cultures and different people with different skin tone and different cultures. But if you never do that, of course, they're just going to be used to people that look and talk and are just like them. It's almost like you're, it's trauma. It's literally trauma. trauma and you freeze. And you're like, I don't even know what to say to that. But now, <laughs> as I've educated more, my friend Rachel Cargill, I took her online course and just educated myself. And I've taken so many courses and then and unconscious bias. And I've educated myself with what's really going on. And what's going on is if we're raised in the society from, from kids, and you can look at Jane Elliott and look at all the studies with the children from a young age, we prefer Again, not even about race, but we prefer a lighter skin tone over a darker skin tone. And we think lighter is better and darker is worse. Let's just go there and just take it off of race because this is what it is. It's, it's, it's not- Sort of shades it, even. It's shades. It's not even colorism. I've learned in talking to people in, my, in the wellness community and the spiritual community, you lose people because they're mm-hmm. not going to identify to racism, period, point blank, and the ears- close off. I've noticed that when I talk about unconscious bias and when I talk about the doll test, that people are able to look at that and like, oh, okay, that is true. And so for me as an educator, how do I speak to people? And how do I get people to understand that this is a condition within all of us that we have to be mindful of and we have to practice knowing people, seeing people and acknowledging people and realizing that the more we understand culture and include that culture in the TV, in our music, on our Mm -hmm. magazine, the more beautiful and diverse and amazing the world will be because we are all one at the end of the day. I would hope that would be an easy conversation, but still to this day, it is not. (laughs) Exhale. (laughs) It needs to change. It does. But I feel like these conversations are what changes it because we really have to learn to talk to each other. I, as a black woman, has to learn not to freeze, not because it's easy for me to say, I'm not just going to address it. And I realize how this is being complicit. Why not me? Why am I being treated differently? Why am I being prayed? That still happens to this day, even after all the stuff we've still been through. It is still happening. Oh, this place is for sale. Oh, well, I didn't know you would want it. Do you have enough money to pay for it? Why wouldn't I? Oh. But would you ask this girl if she had enough money to pay? What, what, what? That's so disrespectful and it's so hurtful and it's so annoying. And it's only because of the color of my skin. And it happens every single day. It hasn't stopped. And the more you're not acknowledging that this is the condition, I feel the more trauma impact it can have on you. But now that I have accepted the condition and I understand the condition more and I understand we're all touched by it, me as a Black woman, I'm able to deal with it, mm-hmm. inhale it, speak to it when I want to, not speak to it, but process that pain with breath work and yoga when I need to. <laughs> and now I'm empowered. Yeah. I. It's almost like what you were saying about parts of yourself needing attention, being with them. Similar is being with this problem and trying to move from it, but not be, as you say, frozen by it. Instead, be inspired by it. Yeah. You can't let it consume you because, again, it can make you question your worth. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then also, as, as a Black woman, it's like you always feel like you have to be 10 times better than everyone else to be seen and acknowledged. And so one thing can happen. You can say, okay, 
this person, they have this unconscious bias and they think just because of the, the color of my skin, I can't afford this or I can't buy this. And and so one thing is just inhale that, I don't, not work with that person. Another <laughs> side is like, oh, let me just show that person which you shouldn't have to. And another part is like, I'm going to work even harder, which could cause a lot of strain. And especially when it's done out of a trauma state, because that was a trauma. And so mm-hmm. now you're overworking because you were traumatized because someone made you feel like you weren't enough for no apparent reason. But now you feel like you have to work 10 times as hard when you're already exhausted. And that causes a lot of stress. It causes a lot of anxiety and you're already in a good place, right? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, you have to just check and see where you are having a trauma response. And there are a lot of courses and, and, I, and I think people listening should look at different stages of grief because grief, mm. it doesn't come when people die. Grief comes when you have any type of trauma and racial trauma is a trauma. I guess biggest concern right now and the biggest way that I'm giving to my community is just offering digital copies of my book for free and offering places for healing, doing more YouTube classes where it's free content, where people can do the breath work and the yoga, because a lot of people are needing it right now of all the right races, now. because we're all trying to figure it out and we're all messing up here and there, <laughs> which is okay. It's messy, right? But love is messy. And I feel like for me, I, this has been a, a tough year and people have died and people have lost their lives in it. I feel like that needs to be acknowledged, but I feel those of us are still here. We're learning and those people's lives will be honored if we actually learn something from it. If we actually grow, if we actually make it better for our children and our children's children, everyone who fought in a war, everyone who marched, every single person, our ancestors in the peace people recently lost, at least we could give them some type of honor if we keep trying We keep trying to build our immune system and we say in the name of whoever in our family is sick, in the name of whoever we've lost, and we dedicate our practicing, Mm -hmm. not just physically, but mentally, spiritually, socially, all these ways we want to grow and expand, then we actually honor the people who have lost their jobs, honor the people who have transitioned. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you put so much out there that is beautiful into the world. It's exactly what people I think need to hear now. Absolutely. I feel like growing up trying to be 10 times better, I did seep into this this idea of perfectionism. Like I gotta be so good and I gotta be perfect. And in the last couple of years, like, no, you can be messy. You're allowed mm-hmm. to be messy. You're, not, you're allowed to get it wrong. You're allowed to, because holding myself to such a high standard also was unhealthy for me. And exhausting. Right? And I had to learn that you don't have to be perfect. Do the best you can. Work every single day and rest and make time for self-care and make time to play, make time to dance. Like sometimes I remember I was going to all these like business classes because I wanted to learn business and I wanted to run my own business because I got so traumatized working for other people. I'm definitely grateful for that because I was like, I'll, I'll just do it myself. And so I would read these and listen to these podcasts. He's like, you got to lose sleep. You only need four hours of sleep. So I went oh, no. Four hours of sleep, really not allowing my body full time to recover and rest and regenerate. But now, six to eight hours of sleep, wake up, have my spiritual time. So I've definitely evolved over time and I've gotten rid of like the perfectionist. Although sometimes I can slip into it and I catch myself like, oh, reel it back, Koya. Reel it back. Get your sleep. That that work will be there tomorrow. Yeah. You don't want to internalize the inequity. One last question I have. How, how can people who are into wellness and yoga and eating clean help make 
the whole that whole world more diverse, do you think? Absolutely. Look at everywhere. Look at your your podcast list. Look at your email list. Look at your people that you comment on their pages. And again, I would like to talk about cultures. How many different type of cultures? Because it could be easy. Growing up in the South, it was just black and white. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like one thing that I love about California, I love being here, it's more culturally diverse. And even when I went to school at Wichita State, I like pe- people from all different shapes and sizes and nationalities. So I highly suggest talking to, becoming friends with different cultures and not like forcefully, but just yeah. getting to know. Maybe you start following someone who is Black, someone who is Asian, someone who are different cultures. And the reason I feel like it's important, especially with the Black Lives Movement, is because the more that we nurture people that are treated the very worst and the lowest, the more that's going to trickle up and affect every single other culture. And the Black culture being specifically targeted Mm -hmm. is very important. And I want to acknowledge that because while I do like to talk about all cultures, there are, we all face different inequities, if you will. We all face different traumas even within those cultures, based on the color of your skin, based on your social and economical status, based on your gender, you are then treated differently as well. All, so many multi-layers here, so, so much complexity. But I think if every day we try to notice that unconscious bias, and I highly suggest the trainings. Trainings are great and they've helped me so, so much with really noticing where I have that. If you have a job, if you own a corporation, make sure everyone on your staff has this unconscious bias training. I created a self-care and social justice course. I took all of my my staff through that course because again, people don't know what they don't know. And if they don't know, True. they can't practice, they can't work on it. So I think in the wellness community, the more we just try to diversify and try to, you know, not asking someone to be on your podcast and do you a favor. That's the thing. So many people reached out to me. Can you write me this order? Can you do you, do you understand this is work? work. Yeah. <laughs> do you yeah. that I get paid for this? Yeah. And you want me to do it for free? I was just trying to include you. Okay. <laughs> Okay. So it's just really important. Start trying to understand before you try to include, because sometimes that's what can cause more trauma. That's something that helped me expand too. going to Bali, going to Africa, going to different countries, seeing different cultures. You understand their religion. You understand their spirituality. You understand different practices. And when you understand, then you can do it in a more mindful way so that it is not toxic and traumatizing because you understand people eat different, people speak differently. This means this in that language. But if you don't do that and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to add you to my thing just so I can check a box, then that becomes traumatizing. But noticing your own triggers within yourself and those things that make you feel like, oh, well, maybe this person isn't who I thought they were. Maybe they are. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they just think differently. Yeah, yeah. Train with someone who's of a different background. So, so many products use different products from people of color. The more that you immerse yourself in different cultures and products and practices and services from people, the more you're going to get to know them and understand them. It's not just about adding someone to your thing. Go to their thing. If you want someone on your team, pay them adequately, value them, get to know them. Those are great tools. And everybody should listen to your podcast. It's called Get Loved Up with Koya Webb. It's amazing. We want to hear you on that next. And thank you for for coming on ours. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, (laughs) Brenda. 
It I'm really so is. happy I could. And I, I feel like these conversations are so important. That's just talking to each other and not being afraid to have the uncomfortable conversations yeah. and just leaning into love and, and nurturing ourselves and holding space for each other and just really listening. So thank you for having me on. Thank you for supporting my podcast. Thank you for supporting <laughs> my book. Um, we love and- you. Thank you very much. (laughs) That was such an incredible conversation. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm mulling everything over. I loved what she had to say about fear. That Mm -hmm. the idea that it's feedback. I'd never heard that idea and put that way that your fear is telling you that there's a part of yourself that needs some attention and some care. That turns something so debilitating into something so constructive. Like you fear is so hard to deal with. The urge is to not deal with it. But to think of it as, yeah, giving attention to some part of you that is unbalanced. I love that. Yeah. And I think, you know, it seemed like she was including insecurity within that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you're afraid people won't like, she said, you're fat Joe. Like what? (laughs) Everybody has their, their Their thing. thing, (laughs) That idea that if you really leaned into that and said, what part of me is crying out for some attention and some care instead of going, Oh my God, I've got to fix this. Yeah. Yeah. We all know people that have even just in a beauty sensor pile of makeup because they're like, Oh, I just got to erase this something right. I don't like about myself. And I love what she said about standing in front of the mirror and loving each part of yourself. Yeah. It, it seems like that ritual is something that really evolved people do in their homes. Like remember Jody mm-hmm. Patterson did something yeah. similar and it's just, it, it seems really effective. I, I don't do it, but I, it's in my head. It's been in my head for a while. And maybe this will push me to do it. <laughs> I'm thinking of doing it now just because, like, I've been doing the Erica Chidi thing, you know, like, yeah, yeah. massage. So why not just, like, look in the mirror? It's honestly <laughs> hard. I mean, not to just look in the mirror and, like, check yourself, but to, to look in the mirror at the parts of you that you don't love. Like, it's energy. And it is kind of hard. I think that's why I haven't done it. I don't want to. It's hard. I'm literally thinking of you and I'm like, what part of your body could you oh not like? God. I don't understand. <laughs> everyone has their weird stuff i do think it does get better when you're older yeah like confidence wise and and just not harping on things of actually liking your parts of your body where you're like this is kind of a miracle this part i absolutely did not feel those things when i was younger at all i've seen pictures of you when you were younger but i but more importantly i see you now and like I haven't seen you in a bikini, but we've certainly like changed in the same room. Like I've seen you in a bikini for all intents and purposes. Like, like you should wear a bikini. I'm on a beach. It's one of those things that, like, I, I do think that there's some kind of hormones in there that hopefully we combat with our exercises from Koya Webb. That when you're younger, you're really just like this thing is broken, and then you get older, and you're kind of like, actually, I don't know why I thought that. Yeah. It's it's one of life's weird things. But but also I really like how she was talking about eating to for energy and to be strong. Just that whole that's like a, a missing piece of the puzzle. Like Yeah, the nutrient dense. The nutrient. Thing. Yeah. And eating to be strong so that so that you function and that things work, you know, not mm-hmm. to like be skinny. That's a nice way to think about food. I mean it's a it's the real way to think about it. And I loved how 
honest she was about her pain around the trauma of being black in America. She has such an evolved attitude toward it. You know, I loved her sort of insisting on a discussion of culture rather Mm -hmm. than just white, black, binary discussion. I thought that's a really powerful way forward. It is. Yeah. I like what she said about freezing because I think we've all been there, not just if you're a person of color or a black person, but I think there's a tendency with women especially to freeze instead of say what you mean or or defend yourself when someone says something upsetting or offensive. Like yeah. I, I feel like everyone's been frozen before and then, you know, in their fantasy mind, they have all these things to say. I know well, that's what happens to me. Like – I well, I always get, I, I totally freeze and, and never, you know, in the moment say something when yeah. someone says something really terrible. I sort of give myself a break over the inability to say the thing in the moment. And be, because I'm a writer, I feel like I can always express it on paper. Yeah. And at least I can get there that way. Do you, how do you deal with it? Well, yeah, that I, I'm so much better in writing too, but. You've actually given me really good advice before about saying something in the moment when you feel it. I've been to therapy before and it doesn't have to be eloquent or perfect. You can just like stutter it out and flub it. But if you say it, like you feel better if you say it in the moment. It's so true. Remembering that thing that you don't have to say it perfectly because that's where my perfectionism comes in. (laughs) Yeah, she said it really well. She was like, it's not going to be this like cinematic movie moment where it's this soliloquy. Like it's going to be awkward, but if you just say it, that's what you need to do. And I always have that in my head, but it's still really hard to say. We got to do it. We got to, it's a practice. Yeah. So on the site, I do a column called Megan Tries It, and you do one called Ask Jean, and we get a whole bunch of beauty questions. And we're going to answer them all here, right now. (laughs) Yes. So should we get into today's Ask Me Anythings? Or maybe Ask Us Anything? Yes. And if anyone's listening and has a question they want us to answer here, just send it over to Goop on Instagram or Facebook. It could be about self-tanner, crow's feet, dry shampoo, parabens, our favorite bath soak, non-toxic lube. Or anything else. Now to today's question. Okay, this one's from Mary G. Does a vitamin C serum help with hyperpigmentation? It does-ish. Vitamin C is, I think everybody should be putting a vitamin C serum on every morning. Just about every skin type will benefit from it. It brightens and just leaves you with glowier, healthier looking skin, my opinion. But hyperpigmentation, age spots, that sort of thing. It can also be melasma. Those go deeper. Those kinds of problems go deeper than vitamin C serum can fix completely. Any cream that tells you that it's going to get rid of hyperpigmentation is is not telling the truth. And so what a vitamin C serum can do is lessen the appearance of it. So maybe it's not quite so dark. Maybe it it smooths in with the rest of your skin tone easier. But say you have, you know, an age spot that really bothers you, I would go to the dermatologist. That's going to be the, there are lasers and things that they can actually get rid of spots with. Whereas hyperpigmentation thinking that you're going to actually get rid of a spot with vitamin C or with anything else that that you can get over the counter is not true. But it's great also, even if you are going to the dermatologist and getting that treated, it'll help 
with just making your overall skin tone smoother. The other thing that's super important is sunscreen. If you suffer from hyperpigmentation at all, whether it's freckles, age spots, melasma, all of those things, if you use sunscreen every day, you're going to have the much less of a problem. <laughs> and certainly if you're spending money treating it, for sure want to use sunscreen because it will come back if you don't if you don't protect it from the sun exactly in the same spot. And last thing to note is that if your dermatologist is like there's this great prescription cream hydroquinone or contains something called hydroquinone, do not use it. It's banned in just about every first world country other than the US. It's a really toxic compound and not worth it. Yeah. I want to add something because I, I have, oh, I used to, I used to have really pretty bad like acne spots and I was so tempted to go into the sun without sunscreen because you get a little bit of a tan and it sort of like evens everything out, you know, so the spots don't look as, as spotty, but then the second they fade, it's like so much worse. So you have to wear a sunscreen to, to just not make the spots you already have. Yeah. Darker. And that's a thing that I do think vitamin C is good for. It kind of does do that mm -hmm. same idea of like, if, if you get a little color in your skin and it sort of evens out the way your skin looks, vitamin C will, will help with that yeah. for sure. And then doesn't make it worse. <laughs> in fact, makes it a little better. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us on The Beauty Closet. You can learn more about our new podcast series at goop.com slash beauty closet podcast. If you're liking what you're hearing, please rate and review the podcast and share it with a friend. 